0: You're listening to The Cleverly Changing Podcast, episode 61. Our guest today is a doula. This episode is especially important for moms and dads to listen who homeschool and still want to grow their career and fuel their passions while educating their children. The guest for this episode is Jacqueline Clemens, a birth and traditional postpartum doula, certified breastfeeding specialist, author, and mother of three. She has spent the past 20 years helping families from various backgrounds and ethnicities to have the care they need as they experience the joys and birth and challenges of nursing. Through proper care, deep nourishment, and community support, she aims to help Black and Indigenous families experience their births and postpartum lessons in a positive way. We need more women like Jacqueline in our world. If you want to keep this podcast going, please consider supporting it monthly by donating via our Patreon page. Full video episodes will be unlocked and discounts on my books will be given when you donate. Visit patreon.com slash cleverlychanging to learn more. Today's African proverb is When a needle falls into a deep well, many people will look into the well, but few will be ready to go down after it. And that's a Guinea proverb. It is now time for the word of the episode.
1: Today's word of the episode is brought to you by Senegal and the Gambia. Amu Salah. Amu It means please in Wolof.
0: Are you looking for a game that will teach your children financial literacy history and confidence yes there is a game that will fulfill all three of those needs black wall street the board game play black wall street is similar to monopoly but more culturally rich their site PlayBlackWallStreet.com supports the education of financial literacy for families. Please use the discount code CLEVERLY, all caps, for 25% off site-wide. The discount cannot be combined with any other discounts. to another Cleverly Changing Podcast. I am one of your hosts, El Cole. I'm so excited to share with you a new, just a new guest and she has so much value that she wants to share with us today. And I know that if you are an entrepreneur, if you're thinking about running a business and homeschooling your kids, you will want to listen to this episode. A matter of fact, stop right now and share this episode with a friend because you're going to want to tell somebody else about this episode and introduce them to our guests. So without further ado, Our guest today is Jacqueline Clemens. So, welcome, welcome to the Cleverly Changing podcast. We are so excited to have you.
2: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for welcoming me.
0: So, I want to hear what Uh, so here you are you are a mom and you're a homeschooler you also are a doula and you have a business so can you just tell our audience some like one of your greatest accomplishments and a little bit about who you are and what you do
2: oh gosh the greatest accomplishment question (laughs) i think um for me it was um securing a book deal this year um, to write and train other doulas on how to support um, black and indigenous women through their birth experience. Um, Mentorship teaching is super important to me in this work. Um, I just feel like it's not a good use of us to just die away with everything that we know and that we've experienced when we can pass it on to someone else. And so to be able to put that in book form and have it be something that's just out there to help support Dula's far after I'm gone. Um, I think is a pretty, I think that's a pretty great accomplishment. It was a little surprising as well, and so um, I'm actually super excited about that. So that would be um, my answer in terms of being a mother, a doula, a business owner. Um, one word is chaos sometimes, <laughs> but the other word is also intentionality. Um, I have to be super intentional in all of those areas. So um, making sure that I have a certain amount of clients that respects my family schedule, making sure that I have expectations set with my children around different events and um, what we're able to do and to not do. And then making sure that I have um, things automated in my business to a certain degree so that that doesn't fall through the cracks either. So definitely can feel maybe chaotic personally to me, but the level of intentionality that goes into it helps it to, to smooth out and for us to have a smooth running machine.
0: That is awesome. You are doing so much and to get a book deal, to know that somebody else values the work that you're doing is so honorable. And it's like, you know, just icing on the cake is the validation that we often need. So congratulations on that. I am super excited for you and what that means for our community. So Thank you. I appreciate. It. I also wanted to kind of unpack one thing that you said, and that is that sometimes homeschooling can be chaotic or sometimes mothering and doing all of it can be chaotic. Can you kind of just touch on that just a little bit and let us know what that what that means for you?
2: Yeah. So, you know, Birth is is at will. I like to say babies come on their own schedule. And so as a birth, uh, I am in a position where I have to be at the mercy of this baby's schedule. But then as I'm a mother, as we all know, we are basically (laughs) at the mercy of our children sometimes as well. And so when you think about child development and anywhere you are reading, they're going to talk about schedules being set and how important schedules and routines are for children. And then there's the entrepreneurial side of you know, your business where you really have to remain flexible in terms of your availability and your access. And so sometimes when those two worlds meet, um, it could be a little, you know, chaotic because you want to make sure that your homeschooling day has a routine, has a schedule, set expectations for your children to follow. But then you also have the entrepreneurial side where you, you know, in birth work, you are literally like, it could be any moment. It could be the middle of the night. It could be, um, first thing in the morning, it could be the middle of the day that you're going to a birth. Um, and so again, like your support system and being super intentional is what, what helps you navigate through that chaos. Um, homeschooling is a job in and of itself. Anyone that homeschools, know it ain't easy, you know, <laughs> this, um, my I'm homeschooling currently my seven-year-old son but previously my daughter just graduated from high school I homeschooled her as well as in elementary school and that was my first time oh gosh how many years ago maybe a decade ago and there were so many lumps and bums and just trying to figure out like I initially wanted to duplicate the school environment then we learned Quickly, hey, that doesn't work for us. (laughs) And then we had to figure out, you know, schedulings and things that fit our personalities and our ebb and flow. And so, um, going into the situation now with um, my now seven year old, I have far more understanding and how I want to approach things and how it complements my life and business than I had before. But it really is, um, you have to just be so flexible. So, there's that piece of schedules and making sure that there's a routine but then also um, making sure that you have flexibility to do what you need to do in your business as well
0: yes yes so what are two challenges that you think black families who want to homeschool face because I know right now with the pandemic is really a popular decision because families want to keep their child safe. And some of them are like, well, I also have to make money and I have to, you know, do these other things that are on my plate. How do I make it all work? So what are some of the challenges that you think they face outside of just being busy?
2: One of, okay. So first I would say, um, there's a cultural challenge there. Um, Black people homeschooling in terms of it being highly visible is a new thing, right? And so when we're making this choice, we might be having conversations with grandparents or aunties and uncles that are like, why are you doing that? Put that kid in school. They need to be socialized. They need to be that whatever the things are that you're hearing. And so not only are you making this decision that's going to require a lot of time, attention and energy, you're also. people that essentially may very well be your support system as well. So that's something that I've seen um, as a challenge for a lot of black homeschoolers. When you are homeschooling and running a business you also have just the um the systemic issues of being a black business person in america you might take a little longer to get the revenue to where you need it to be if you are in a single parent household that presents another challenge you're gonna really need to have a super strong support system and community but you can do it so when you start looking at um curriculum cost and um, time investment and really making sure you have all the setup in the house and everything that your children need to be successful um, to homeschool, those those things in particular I've seen be kind of barriers for Black families homeschooling. But I will say that with a little bit of creativity and absolute determination, you can, you can get over those things. You can be very with your family and why you're making the choice that you're making and also invite them to be a part of it you know there may be some aunties or uncles or gra- grandparents that have skill sets where it's like hey listen if you want to get out in the garden you know my mom has gotten my son out in the garden we just ate his kale the other day it's delicious like you can this can be a, a part of his homeschooling experience you can teach him and you're still having a So helping your loved ones and people around you who may not initially understand, reframe their thoughts around it can be super, super helpful. And it's a way to kind of neutralize that challenge.
0: Oh, I love that you just talked about getting the village involved because, you know, we as just singular human beings cannot do it all. And we have to be willing to ask for help. That's how homeschooling thrives is when you look outside of just yourself to provide the educational experiences and open it up to the community around you. And I love that you have a little gardener that is doing something amazing and planting and growing. I know our co-host, Miriam, is also a gardener. Do you have any questions about that, Miriam? Or a comment or? You're muted.
1: I was just, yeah, sorry, because we were downstairs for a second. Um, yeah, I was very, very excited to hear that your son is growing things, because I'm a little farmer and I grow lots of things too. And I was like, oh yes, this is wonderful. And you know, there's so many things that go into growing food. I mean, there's science, there's engineering, there's math. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it and now that I actually have like a farm farm space I'm realizing just how much stuff goes into it and it's an excellent tool for for teaching children excellent and it's a life skill at that where you know you'll never be hungry if you know how to plant a (laughs) seed but I do want to say oh I do want to say when we're talking about the village I was just speaking to my husband about the village last night how important it is to have that support whether you're you know a a nuclear family or you're a single parent but even if it's just friends or a neighbor it really does help to be able to reach out to someone because you know never know when there's an emergency hey I gotta run out but I can't take my kids can you just keep an eye out real quick or something, you know, because things aren't the way they used to be when everybody literally was taking care of everybody. Oh, you're having a problem breastfeeding? Well, you know, sister so-and-so over here just had a baby. Take, her, take your child over there. Or, you know, your your parent is elderly and you got to go over here. Well, bring them by our place and we'll look after them for a minute. I just cooked the big dinner. Let me bring you some. We don't have that sense of community anymore and I'm you know it's important to try to create that for yourself especially when you're homeschooling because it every one person isn't you know Encyclopedia Britannica from A to Z so it helps to be able to have people in your corner that can really help you pick up where you're Less deficient. Yeah. yeah, most definitely.
0: So I, you know, here's the thing. So many of us are now looking at homeschooling. And I know that you mentioned you had two kids. So I'm guessing that homeschooling isn't new to you. What made it attractive to you? Why? Why are you homeschooling? Why is that something that you see as important?
2: So I have three children. Um, my older two daughters this year, and I guess two years now, they've been virtual schooling. And my son is the one that I'm homeschooling now. But previously I had homeschooled my my oldest that just graduated high school. So the thing about homeschooling is just kind of to your point, Miriam, the village, we all have a set of values. We all have a certain um, life perspective that we desire to raise our children in and one of my initial reasons um I had my daughter in a like charter school it was a decent school but I really started to see just these these breaks in our values right (laughs) the greater school system's value and where they place that value um, in terms of policies and how they executed policies um, especially for young black and brown children what that looks like that school to prison pipeline regardless of how fancy the school is um, and the impact of that. And then what are some things that that I want to impart and how can I um, impart them? And so one of the things that was really impactful both times making this decision to like homeschool, it was a no brainer this time when everything was going on. I'm like, oh, we're back. <laughs> like, you know, I value freedom. I value creativity. I value honesty. I value deep character, like cultivation. And these were things that I just was not seeing in the school system. And so when you think about having the opportunity to really infuse and cultivate your own child, right? When your child is in the school system, I don't knock it, but I'm picking you up at 3.30, maybe three o'clock, dinner by five, you're in bed by eight your primary influence was whoever you spent your day with. And I wasn't satisfied with what, what that was and how that feedback was coming back and how it was impacting my children. And so ultimately that's what influenced um, my decision. I'm also an artist in those younger, younger years back in the day, (laughs) I was um, a traveling vocalist. I had a, you know, theater, these different schedules and, um, I wanted my child to be right there with me. I didn't wanna sacrifice our one-on-one connection and relationship for um, my life and and the different ventures that I was a part of. And so I would take her with me on the road. She would still have her curriculum, she'd be learning, but she also got to have such a, a rich and expansive experience because it wasn't just book work and being in school and that, 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 She got to have many experiences, travel out of the country, all kinds of stuff that just wouldn't have been possible if she were attending, um, a traditional schoolhouse. So that freedom piece <laughs> is huge for me. Um, I do believe that, you know, education is beyond the books, um, There are cultural experiences, exposure, um, meeting different types of people, being immersed in different types of cultures that expand who you are as a human being. That's a part of my personal value system. And so it's important for me to live a life and to raise and teach my children in a way that allows for those experiences to take place.
1: You mentioned that you um, were taking her with you wherever you went and that she graduated from high school so when when did you decide that um going back to the or when did she decide I don't know how you (laughs) (laughs) went to enter back into the school system and and how hard or easy was that decision
2: it was middle school um she made the decision she was actually like you know it's just time you know, wanting to figure out who she was and what her identity was um, for middle school. I am also, um, I want to make sure I say this properly. I honor my children's desires, meaning I would like for you to be homeschooled. These are my reasons. But whenever I have super strong feedback from a child that that's not working or they want to try something else, Mm -hmm. then I honor that and we talk and we create a life that can still make sure that our values are solid, but I honor that. So when it comes to middle school and you're trying to figure out who you are and you're like, I want to go back to school. I'm like, okay, so these are your options though of where you actually can go. And, um, it wasn't a battle or anything like that. It's just whatever you want to do. That's fine. Um, but. Fast forward to her being in high school and them kind of virtual schooling when before they went back to virtual schooling, she's like, Ma, I really miss homeschooling. Like these folks is crazy. And it was just very interesting to hear the feedback of her kind of being in that loop for what, six years at that point from middle school to maybe junior year in high school, and kind of being like, I can see yeah my quality of life was just different like this is pointless and this is pointless and da, 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 da. but again being able to teach my child critical thinking skills at a young age yes. allowed her to be older and kind of say oh I actually see what's going on here and I feel this way or that way about it and so um she actually thrived and was like we've had an amazing virtual schooling experience for that same reason we've had flexibility I went out of um out of town for about six weeks to take on three birth clients and postpartum clients in Colorado. I took my children on a road with me. We drove cross country and they were able to homeschool and virtual school. We were able to get out and explore some outdoor fun stuff. And then they still had their their tablet and school time and we were able to still keep the homeschooling schedule with my son. And so that's you know that's been an, an awesome happy medium for us but whenever a, one of my children expresses that they are kind of like want to do something different i try to honor that as much as possible um i still don't get caught up on school schedules if we're going on vacation or if i have a trip or we have something important to do just send in the work <laughs> they'll <Don't> be <laughs> out there, just send the work <laughs> we're not going to not travel and do the things that we love as a family that are part of um our core values, we're not going to not do that just because one child or another has decided to enter back into the school system.
1: I think that's wonderful. I wholeheartedly agree with you. (laughs) I have to (laughs) honor these little people because they don't belong to us. They belong to themselves. And when you know you've raised them right, you can let them explore and, you know, learn themselves. It's wonderful. (laughs) Well, you just touched
0: on your business just a little bit. Uh, Can you tell us what your business is and how you teach your kids about what you do and the value in it?
2: Absolutely. So I am uh, a birth worker. I am a birth and postpartum doula, as well as a um, breastfeeding specialist author (laughs) we touched on all those things over the span of this conversation. And so um, over the years, it's obviously been cumulative. My children are about six years apart and then four years apart. And so during each pregnancy, I'm very transparent with like my breastfeeding um, journey for the next one and the next one. My oldest daughter was my doula for my youngest son. And so I'm, you know, always talking about placentas and the importance of postpartum support and what postpartum depression looks like and, you know, just having conversations about different types of births, home births, birth centers, hospital births, and just pros and cons. And really, our, my conversation with them is around the importance of support. And so it's the same conversation, if you think about it, about the importance of the village. I am being a village person to this family during this time. This is what they need. This is what will be expected of me. I always treat my children to like, you know, I order out food whenever I'm coming home from birth because I'm exhausted. I'm like, uh-uh. So they know when mom comes home from birth and she's sleeping, <laughs> they about to get food on food on food ordered in because <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> so that's like our treat in a way for me to like honor them for allowing to sacrifice that time for me to be away from them. And so... Um, you know, being away with them though, that was like an immersive experience. So they were on Baby Watch with me. My clients like, oh, they're having contractions. Oh, when her water break broke and she called me, my children are jumping up and down on the hotel bed. Yeah, the baby's about to come. And you know what I mean? Because they're invested at this point. I'm like, listen, we're waiting on this baby too. And how much does the baby weigh? Was it a boy or was it a girl? And so it really just becomes this. um, a part of just our everyday, you know, conversation. And so, um, kind of linking it back to that intentionality. What I do try to do is still live my life with my children around providing birth support and postpartum support. And so, um, for instance, the other day I had a client three days ago give birth. Then our placenta came home with her. So then I'm like, okay, I'm coming off this birth, but I got to go do this placenta. Okay, let's do a late movie night. And then in the morning, I have to do the second part of the placenta. And then we're going to go shopping. And then we're going to do this. And so it really just comes into our family schedule conversation every day about what we have going on based upon what clients I'm supporting. So my son will go, are you doing postpartum today? You going to hang out with that baby today? And I'll have my aunt come over and she's doing his, his homeschool schedule with him and so he knows oh okay well mom's doing postpartum my auntie is here going over you know he gives her way less hassle than he gives me to be honest (laughs) but just really just setting that expectation and kind of like flowing and going with the flow with my community and so nothing that I do is separate um, at all. I just don't live my life like that. Everything that I do is, is a part of my life and a part of what I'm speaking about and teaching my children at all times. But the next phase um, of what I'm doing, I'm actually hiring doulas now and kind of going into an agency model with my other business, De La Luz. And um, June 18th is the launch of Aki Birth Foundation, which is um, providing chef-prepared meals and mental health group support for families for six weeks postpartum, and that foundation was birthed out of some of these gaps that I've seen in the families that I've supported. Um, food insecurity with low income, so we are catered towards low-income Black and Indigenous uh, people of color families and when you are already food insecure and you already are low income and then you're coming home with a new baby and you're dealing with all these emotions and yada yada yada, you need food food is like one of our basic needs food is as i don't know if you've seen high in the hub but like food is how black people communicate with one another it's on
1: my list
2: sorry you have to watch it oh my god it's phenomenal but When you see like we nurture through our food, we love through our food, we love through community and through our village and so making sure that these families have a safe space to process what they just experienced, and that they feel confident um, moving into their next phase of life and parenthood and, and family, as well as being nourished physically with food is something that I found to be um, missing and super valuable to help people start off as, you know, with a strong start. So that's the next iteration. And um, I'm super excited about that. But yeah, that is, it's the same thing. I want to nurture, I want people to be nurtured. I want our families to be strong, no matter what that looks like. And, um, and I love good food. So (laughs) that's yes,
0: a yes. <laughs> I know when oh, just God. listening to you, for me, I'm a mother of twins. And I remember bringing my babies home and not having the energy to cook and my husband not knowing how to cook. And so <laughs> that was a really trying time. And when you're producing milk, you need to have nutrients in order to produce that milk. It just doesn't come out like you have to put something in your body, lots of fluids and you have to eat. That's how you heal. And so I think what you're saying and what you're building your business to deliver, I think it's so needed and sometimes women don't realize the value of it. Like you can't just Mm -hmm. um, only eat the fast foods. Sure, it's fine sometimes, but your body needs a lot of nutrients and those minerals from fresh whole foods in order to help you get to the capacity that you need to be to take care of that baby in a healthy way. So I just love that you're able to offer that. And the fact that you even thought that this was something that low income families could use. And so I think that that's tremendous and very valuable. But one thing that you also said was, you know, in the process of caring for your clients, you don't neglect to care for yourself. So you recognize when you are tired and you're not necessarily wearing a cape saying, I can do it all, I can come home and cook a five course meal all from scratch that I, picked up out of the garden and, you know, put that platter on the table. You're saying, you're recognizing, hey, I may have to go outside of myself to provide some things for my kids, and that's okay. I can do that guilt-free. So can you speak to just some of the challenges that you face trying to be a business owner and a mom, and also trying to practice self-care because it's not optional?
2: Yeah, so Mm ask me how I know. I was. you know, (laughs) where's my cape? What color cape am I wearing today? Oh, I think I'll go with red. You know, definitely was there. And I really just had to come to a point where I'm like, fam, this is just not sustainable. Um, My health was suffering. My sleep was suffering. um, My capacity to serve was suffering. So it actually started like, as an outside reflection in, um, so to speak. And so it really was, listen, and this is for any caretaker. In order for you, in just another moment of transparency, my grandmother passed away. And uh, that was last year. And this is when I became really radical about this perspective. I have watched this woman serve her entire life everyone in the community, her church, her family, her kids to the point of becoming a martyr. And I feel like in the black community we have a very interesting relationship with codependency in martyrdom. So the martyr is constantly giving, 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 giving giving to the detriment of their self and then it creates this like codependency within their family members and or village where they just aren't even doing things that they can absolutely do on their own. What that does is it causes burnout in whomever is in that martyr position where they could have easily delegated some of the things that they're doing. They could have easily taken some time, I'm saying easily, loosely, um, taken some time to nurture themselves or just had 15 minutes of silence. Silence is valuable. And so when, when she passed away and I thought about like, you, you know, you kind of go through, Oh, she did this. She did that. I love this. I love that. And I just started to take some inventory of all of the things that she did. That was so wonderful. And then all of the things that I absolutely refused to keep, keep going. So that martyrdom, I put that down. I dropped it instantly because I realized, wait, at the end of the day, if you're not caring for you, you don't have a capacity, a true capacity to care for others. And so it, I became really dogmatic with myself and really honest with myself, even about my sleep patterns. I'm like, listen, guys, I'm a night owl. I don't like waking up in the morning, taking kids to school at 7am sucks. I don't like it. It's not me. It causes my, it, I have all kinds of sleep issues when it comes to that. So when we've been home and this whole Uh, period my little one that liked to bounce up in the morning I said "Uh, uh, 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 it's time to learn how to sleep in and we just started doing sleep training on a six-year-old you hear me and I said listen you I want you to have a better quality mom my creativity time the place for me to be most productive in my business and come up with my best ideas is between 11 p.m and 3 a.m I know that about myself, but I'm not getting up at six off of that. I need to sleep at least till 930. Let's get you a little baker's rack. Let's get you a little convection oven. Let me go ahead and put these waffles in here. Strawberries are in the fridge. Let me teach you this first round of self-sufficiency. Let's get it popping. And I had to do that as a form of self-care for what I had realized, like, what do I need to maintain not just my sleep, but to honor my creativity time, right? I had to study myself to know where's where's my peak creativity, what allows me to be um, the most productive in my business, and that was understanding where that, that creativity time was for me in terms of um, that 11 to 3 time, and so self-care didn't look like manicures and pedicures, it still doesn't it looks like honoring my sleep schedule it looks like outsourcing cleaning it looks like um, creating stronger boundaries with my children around chores it looks like a reward chart on the fridge and you know because oh god I don't know about you guys but technology took over my home in a in a crazy way this (laughs) last. about it and now i'm like oh you're still on the tablet huh Mm. well gets me an extra 15 minutes of quiet so i gotta get better with that but kind of putting that into you know just creating these systems and setting expectations for my community my family because i tell my children your first community is your family your first community is your family Mm -hmm. I, i ask you to do the things you do in here because we're community to each other And so that's been how I've really um, been able to care for myself and allow my cup to continuously be full. Again, I don't have a problem saying this day and that day, I'm going to order out um, twice a month, having someone clean, but more importantly, just making sure that my children do the chores that they're supposed to do um, so that we can live in peace. And then I feel at peace. And I'm able to flourish in all of the areas as a full human being, as a full woman, as a full mother, as a full um, business person, I'm able to thrive differently. You know what I mean? And so that's been my, that's my version of self-care is just being radical about not being a martyr anymore.
1: I love that because so many women have that I can do it all. I don't really know where we get this from. Why we feel? Well, yes, I do. Eh. We feel this weight of the world, and we feel like we can't. We're not a woman if we can't hold it up. Mm-hmm. And and being honest and vulnerable enough to say, "Hey, cleaning this house is just not working for me," or. Waking up at six o'clock in the morning, I'm mm, not going to do it. You know, <laughs> I'm not a morning person either. I feel you wholeheartedly. <laughs> it's, it's a chore. It's so hard. But anyway, the, the, the knowing of yourself and being able to accept these things about yourself that may not be, um, I don't want to say mainstream, but typical or typical of the people that you know. And being able to embrace that and say, yeah, I don't get up at 7 o'clock in the morning. I get up at 10. Why? Because it feels good to me. And to be able to say that and not feel guilty about it and to be able to do it and not feel ashamed or embarrassed about it is important to, you know, being your own person and being okay with being who you are.
2: It's, you know, it's also management, right? I think what we've been taught is that if we honor who we are, then somehow everything is going to fall to shambles. I still have to create capacity and and delegate and make sure that things get done. Things are not just going to be like, oh, she doesn't wake up until 10. That's right. But I'm also teaching my son how to prepare breakfast for himself. I'm also empowering them to do these things that help the whole the whole move. There's some things that mm-hmm. only I can do, but through delegation, I guess, I think about like the Proverbs 31 woman where I'm like, your girl was out in the marketplace. She had folks at home making sure everything was right. Da, 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 da. She was a business woman and her home was run tight and she was out and about doing all of these things fully. She wasn't just home cooking and cleaning. So if I look at that model, Is it about me doing everything? No, it's about me delegating and making sure that home is taken care of. And the things that only I can do, I do. And the things that I can delegate to others, which is gonna be tailor fit. If you like cooking, you don't have to delegate that. If you like cleaning, you don't have to delegate that. But knowing yourself and and what, what those things are helps you to know what part of your life you actually need to delegate. And that's the joy of like discovering yourself in motherhood. Entrepreneurhood and even in homeschooling.
1: Yeah, I know Elle does this all the time. You know, she says that she, and you could tell yourself, but just how you allow the girls to do certain things and you acquire certain things of them and you let them see you taking a break, taking care of yourself and having space for yourself and telling them, hey, it's my time now. You got to back up. And, I, and, you know, it. her girls are so lovely. And I'm so, <laughs> I mean, they are. And the fact that they are, you know, capable of cleaning the kitchen themselves, even though they're, what, 12 now, right? Yet, you know, so they're capable of doing it and doing a good job of it where, you know, she doesn't have to come back and say, oh, man, now I got to go over this and go over that like that nothing was ever done. So, yeah. you know, it's she is my role model. and Now I have another one in you <laughs> on, you know, kind of just helping them become more self-sufficient because it really is part of growing up. It's part of the schooling experience, whether you know, whether you think of school as something academic or not academic. That's not what I'm looking for. How about we use Akilah Richards' word, the schoolish culture, if you're looking for something like that or not, it's, it's still, everything is a learning experience, is what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, yes.
0: Yeah, I thank you for what you're saying. I, I appreciate it. But I think, you know, our kids have phases. You know, I think we can we can teach our kids. We can say, hey, make yourself lunch, but they're still kids. So most of the time they're going to follow that regiment that we've taught them. But there's going to be times where they forget it all. And you're like, what? You've waited (laughs) this many hours for me to cook you something. But you know how to make something for yourself. The food is right there. That's why I buy it. Like, you know, I have meeting after meeting. So sometimes we, we do have to reiterate things and it's just, you know, it's a it's whole thing that ebbs and flows. It's not like this linear process where once you show them, everything else falls in place. I mean, it's just like us. You know, we know that self-care is important, but that doesn't mean that once we acknowledge it and accept it, that we're putting our steps in place to make sure it happens consistently. Like we need reminders. We sometimes have to have one of those aha moments that really just knocks us off of our pedestals and where we can't do anything anymore. And we're like, oh. I should have taken that self care, and then we we get that reminder, and then we do it. So you know, it's we our kids see us in those um, great times where we're doing well by educating them and showing them, but then they see us when we're not so great, and you know we're struggling because. You know, I just think about this whole pandemic. You know, what, what we knew before the pandemic and how we're coping now are two completely different things. I don't care how type A or how together <laughs> we thought we had it. It was like, it's difficult. And it was difficult for every single person in this world. I mean, even I think even people who have people that work for them in their home, they like have home managers and all of that. It was a shift for everybody, because even if they had somebody coming in working for them, they still probably had that fear about, you know, uh, am I safe? You know, so there's so many different things. And we just, one of the things that I value about homeschooling is that we show our kids how to cope with the good and the bad how to cope with the adversity and you know when things aren't going right when you know when our kid isn't washing the dishes or they're not making their food or they're they're waking us up out of our sleep when they know we need to get our sleep how do we deal with that you know, and I think that's really where those character lessons are learned. And sometimes we don't pass them with f- flying colors. I would love to say even the most eloquent of us get it right all the time, but we don't.
2: Oh, and absolutely Absolutely. Don't. Don't. I don't even ever hold it. Just to be clear, I showed the seven-year-old, but let me let y'all know. He's the only boy and he's the youngest. And on any given morning that he prefers a hot breakfast, he will hold out and just be chilling. (laughs) Good morning, mom, how are you? Yeah, I'd like some pancakes and uh he won't put the waffles in the in the convection oven. He won't make his breakfast. So but what I didn't do before is I didn't even teach him how to do it. Mm -hmm. And so it's really like handing them the tools to kind of get it going. No, absolutely. This thing is not. No, you're absolutely. I agree with you, Al. Like we got thrown a curveball, like nobody's business. And um, but what it did highlight is like those areas, like even with my older children. And I guess it's different because I had, you know, 18 year old, 11 year old and seven year old. And so there's things that I did like clockwork with my 18 year old because I was trying to like figure it out the first child and what's going on. By the time I got to 7 I'm like, I'm tired. Like, what did I teach you? Did I teach you? Okay, we got brushing the teeth. We did that. And that's just the cause on it. it's true. Where it's like, and so having that time and being home, it was a space to really look at one another and see where the gaps were and be able to say, you know, we had tons of conversation about grief. I'm like, listen, guys, I just, I'm grieving. I don't feel well, my capacity to do this. But what happened is when you let your children see you good, bad, and indifferent, they understand the range of emotions. They understand the challenges of life. And they understand that you don't have to be perfect if that's not the messaging that you're giving them. If you say, listen, I ain't got it because this and or I'm exhausted. And then maybe you had a bad day. You were snappy being able to go back and say, you know what? I didn't eat until two o'clock. I was hangry. I should not have communicated with you that way I apologize and it lets them know like oh yeah being hangry is on a list of things that could actually happen and I might be a little snappy with my words but I can also go back and apologize and and be clear with the person that may have been impacted by that and so no I have a lively bunch we're all a lively bunch (laughs) and we have tons of challenges but one of the things that I really enjoy even about homeschooling is that we get to be together in the home and navigating it together versus them going out of the home, us having a miscommunication maybe in the morning. They process it in their own way all day with other people. And then they come back and we have two totally different, we're on two different planes because we didn't have time to work through it together. And so that's a thing where it's like, you have time and space to like go through life together. And that's beautiful. Yes. It is. You just brought
0: up your son is seven and what you do is so much a part of the feminine culture but you talked about how you kind of incorporate your children in what you do so i'm just curious how have you kind of approached the topic of reproduction and puberty and new life with your children especially your seven-year-old son
2: we i have tons of um body books like body awareness body positivity books where that kind of go over the reproductive system of both boys and girls um I did it with my girls there's um there's a book I think it's called all about me both of my girls have it and then it's like all about me too but then I found like the same comparable kind of books for my son now I will say at seven we're very transparent so he might you know he's a streaker he might be like hey mom this is going on with this and I'm like oh okay hmm." but kind of creating a culture in a in a, a space of like clearness is why he can do that but when it comes to um reproduction we just tell it like it is we talk about periods we talk about um being nurturing like in that time like you know if any of us are menstruating it's like listen I have this much capacity like yesterday, but today my capacity has changed and this is why, you know, <laughs> kind of like how to deal with that and interact with that as a young male. But then when it comes to having um, children and family, I'm everything we do. So now like my son will go, Oh, you know, mom, can I watch you braid the girl's hair? I'm like, okay. Like why? Oh, cause one day I might have a daughter and then I need to know mm-hmm. how to braid her hair. And so I don't raise him to be, um, different in that way. I raised him that the responsibility of child rearing and how you engage in your family is the same. Um, we have conversation about like provision and, you know, caring for your family, caring for your your future wife. He, um, the cutest thing, we had started having these conversations and then he came to me one night, super serious, mom, we need to buy spices. I said, well, what? Okay, like what's up? He said, I gotta get some spices so so my wife can cook for me. She has to cook yummy food. And so we went to Sprouts and I just I I just let him do his thing. I let I gave him, I said you can buy five spices. He just picked all kinds of random stuff. And what do you put on the eggs? And what do you put on the greens? And he just picked up his little stuff. And so now we have a cute little box downstairs. We have a, a growing collection of the spices that he wants to present to his future wife. And so even with that, it's like, he's kind of like, yeah, I need to like be in consideration of his future family. But that's how, it's not It's not like you're a child. You don't need to worry about those things. no. Right now, our children are forming their idea of family and their relationship to that family. We all did. We all have our ideas and what that was like. And sometimes we bring it into our actual relationships and it causes issues. So being able to have conversations with your your mom and your dad about what family is, what your role is, what's happening with your body, you know, having a period, having a baby, looking at placentas is not strange for him. So hopefully if he has a partner in the future, that's a woman that if those things are happening, he's not criticizing or ridiculing her because of his lack of understanding that he will be nurturing and loving and gentle through understanding those things. Um, but when it comes to childbirth and placenta, I mean, it's like, it's biology. We're talking about the functionality of a placenta and carrying a baby and, and sperm and all that. We keep it age appropriate. We haven't like delved into like actual sex, but we have talked about nurturing, caring, loving, creating, co-creating, what co-creating produces little babies. Um, I'd like to tell my children their, their birth stories. I like to talk to them constantly about how they were as babies to kind of keep it because I have three different experiences. So, oh yeah, you used to be da, 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 da. And then it's kind of like, so that they understand the possibilities of what life could be like with a baby, with this kind of personality and that kind of personality. And so that's kind of how I approach um, just speaking about reproduction, life, whatever. It's still a part of, it's still a part of your community life. You know, it's still a part of what is expected to happen. It's still, it's not something taboo. It's something right here. And, you know, like I said, he throws me off sometimes because, listen, I wasn't, I was a girl mom. So these boys, I'm like, oh, wow. No, no shame. No, not just out here. And I'm like, wow, this is different. This is very different. Okay. But I don't want to shame him or whatever. I, listen, privacy. We We want to keep some things to ourselves and you know we kind of go for that kind of etiquette but never to make him feel bad about whatever it is that he's experiencing in his body I always stay curious even sometimes it's just fake where I'm like really oh wow (laughs) and then he just tells me extra things and I'm like what oh my gosh that was amazing what do you think about that okay And then I turn and I'm like laughing in the corner, like, oh, my God, I cannot believe I just had that conversation with this child. Like, this is crazy. But I just keep it to myself and I keep it moving and it's par for the course. So that that's my approach. I'm not saying that works for everybody, but I use books. I don't you know, I use other resources to start conversations and then I just talk about whatever it is they have on their mind. That was just, I mean, it, it was great to
0: hear your journey because I think every family does it and approaches things a little bit differently. And it sounds like in your home is kind of a celebration, just a celebration of life and togetherness. And I like I like how it all sounded together because, you know, sometimes puberty and adolescence can be kind of scary. And for you in your home, it sounds like it's um, something that's that's accepted and embraced and such a freeing experience and not a burden and i and i love that particular imagery instead of you know maybe what we have seen in our own experiences in the past and things like that so i just thought that was encouraging i know we have talked for so long and i think this has just been a joy because you know when when you get with homeschool moms and we start talking about things that we're passionate about and that we love and embracing things. It's it's so easy to just go through a whole hour <laughs> and, and just talk. But I would love to have you back because you talked about grief and you touched on that. And we haven't done a show about grief and grieving yet. And so I think, um, you know, I would love to invite you back where we talk about how to approach that with with our children and and our friends and our support group and our village. And I think, you know, that's really what we talked a lot about today, our village and togetherness. So I know that, um, you know, you may have other things that you want to share, so I don't want to take up all the time. But if there's anything else that you wanted to share with the audience, let them know where they can connect with you, where um, they can find your website, your social handles and whatnot.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So for my birth-based business, that's De La Luz Wellness. Um, you can find me at www.DeLaLuzWellness.com. D-E-L-A-L-U-Z Wellness.com. And then um, for my nonprofit, it's akyonu Birth foundation so o-k-i-o-n-u birthfoundation.org and so um on social media in terms of ig de la luz at de la luz wellness and at akionu birth foundation um linkedin for akionu birth foundation and then on facebook i have the de la luz wellness as well so
0: okay and everybody i will put All of those links in the show notes. So visit the show notes page to learn more and support and connect. Did you know that we sell merchandise to keep our podcast going? Order a hoodie, t-shirt, mugs, and more today. Visit cleverlychanging.com and click on the shop tab to place your order.